0: To Commando on Demand Insider Edition, your fast-paced weekly update straight from Kim's desk to your ears. I'm Mike James. The amazing true life story of how an Apple Watch saved a life of a young man in New Jersey. Kim has that story just moments away. And we've all seen the parents who let tech help keep their kids preoccupied by giving them an iPad or a smartphone. New research out that sheds some light on that practice. You might want to think twice. Kim also checks in with a guy who was flying his drone at the beach while his family was swimming he had one of those drones that shows video in real time and he spotted a shark getting ready to attack his family what happened well the video went viral and we've got the exclusive interview plus kim has this week's hot topics fitness trackers and how many steps do you need to take to stay healthy everybody uses google but we've got some expert tips to get the most out of your google searches And every week we present you with a question about the history of technology. And you have to promise you're not going to Google the answer or ask Alexa or Suri or Cortana to help you out. We want you to try to do this yourself, little brain buster. And of course, we're in the middle of the computer revolution, the technology revolution. Computers are everywhere. And while the concept of the modern computer is a recent invention, a machine that could perform calculations is older than you might think. Where do you think the first known computer was discovered? And for double points, what year do you think it was built? Was it A, in Greece in 150 B.C.? B, was it in Rome 300 A.D.? C, Mexico 800 A.D.? Or D, London 1500 A.D.? Trivia question, where was the first computer, Greece 150 B.C.? Rome 300 AD, Mexico 800 AD, London 1500 AD. That answer coming up as well in this podcast. And a quick reminder, this is not the Kim Commando Show. Every week, Kim gives you the very latest tech news, tips, DIYs, and takes your questions on the air. That's the Kim Commando Show on over 400 stations nationwide and worldwide on American Forces Radio. There is just one place to get that podcast, which is at getkim.com. You can even watch us record the show on Friday. Go to GetKim.com. All right, in moments, the incredible true story of how the Apple Watch saved a life on Commando On Demand Insider.
1: Tax Day is coming. Oh, no.
0: Every once in a while, we hear an amazing story of how technology fundamentally changes the life of a person. And today, well, is one of the best we've heard yet. It's how an Apple Watch saved a life. Here's Kim. James in Middleton, New Jersey. Hi there,
2: James. Hi, Kim. How are you? I'm good. Welcome. Now, you know, I'm from Watchung, New Jersey. really yeah nice (laughs) so i understand that you were out there hiking you were on a date and the date did not go exactly as planned
3: yeah so basically what happened was we uh me and my friend Paige, we were out on a hike and it was just a hike like every other normal day um it just got dark a little bit early um we ended up getting lost in a park in new jersey um and basically from there, it just escalated. She fell over uh, some vines. From there, it was like a life or death fight. We were we were holding on to the side of the mountain, trying to get up and over onto the trail, but the vines were just... It, the, it, the incline was too steep and the vines were too high, so we couldn't get back over them. So basically what ended up happening was we decided to slide down the mountain and... We sat on our bus and slid, and we ended up to the bottom and realized there's a cliff. There's a really big drop. Oh, gosh. So she ended up getting stuck, um, hanging off the mountain. I was right behind her. Um, she fell first, and she, she, hit the, she hit the sand in the water.
2: Okay. Did she get hurt?
3: It, was, it wasn't like anything severe.
2: And then what happened to you? Your Apple Watch sent out a signal?
3: So right before I fell, um, she, when she yelled back up to me and, and told me she was all right, and I heard a, a 911, which her emergency? And I looked on my wrist, and there was 911 being cold. I was hanging over the rocks. This is before I fell in the 911 tape. You can hear how I was sitting there screaming, help, oh, I need help. And then I told them where I was, and they just couldn't get to me in time. So I ended up falling directly onto rocks. I ended up fracturing my back in three places. I have a broken foot, a broken hand. Um, When I my first uh, three days in the hospital, they thought I was going to be paralyzed. I couldn't move my left leg. Um, I still don't have complete sensation in my left leg. Wow. And the 911 uh, was still on my watch, and they still located me, and they found me in this secluded part, and they ended up getting me help. How far did you fall?
2: How many feet do you think?
3: Probably over 200 to 300 feet.
2: And then did did the watch notify anybody in your family as well that you were in a potential hazardous situation?
3: Yes. So I, I actually was not aware of this at the time. Um, so when I was being rescued and I was being thrown on a boat, my mom was on the, at the park. My mom got a notification on her phone that I had a hard fall. It then showed her a location of where I was, and out of being a mother's instinct, she followed it, and she found all the rescue workers saving me.
2: Oh, gosh. That must have been heart-wrenching.
3: I could only imagine her, her instances. Mm-hmm.
2: And so what's your recovery look like now?
3: Um, I got about 10 to 12 weeks I can't work. I can't do anything. And hopefully then they'll tell me I'm, I'm able to go back to work, but you know, it all depends on if the spine fuses and and everything feels correctly. If not, then I might be looking at surgeries.
2: Yeah. gosh, Yeah. They don't, you know, I hope you don't have to go down that road. Now, now what do you think would have happened if you didn't have your Apple watch on?
3: Honestly, I don't think we would have been found and I don't think I would have got the help I needed as soon as I needed it. Um, it, it really did decrease the uh, response time for EMS and the park rangers and the police to find me. I, I literally, the, this happened about three days prior. I bought everything Apple. I went to Sprint and I purchased a new phone, my earbuds, and a watch. Wow. And I, I, I can tell you, I had every single one of these Apple products on me in this hike. My phone was dead. The only thing I had was my watch, and that thing saved my life.
2: That's, you know what, that's a strong testament to technology. Now, um, so I think the next time you and Paige want to go on a date, I'm not even going to suggest bowling. Um, I'm thinking just like, maybe just like a dinner. You know what I mean?
3: (laughs) Something Something not so crazy. Yeah, just,
2: you know, something a little like, you know, Something nice, you know, we're not going to get into any physical activities. That's why I'm saying, you know, no ping pong, you know, I don't even even want you to go to a baseball game or a football game because I don't want you to get hit by a ball or anything, right? So just, we're just going to, we're just going to dial it back just a little bit, James, just a nice, quiet, romantic dinner. God, what a great story that is. Apple Watch. So for those of you who are hiking, Put the Apple Watch on, okay? It can save your life too.
0: All right, just ahead, everybody uses Google, but have you ever searched for something and didn't quite get the results you were looking for? Well, it's happened to all of us, but never fear because we're gonna get you searching like a pro on Google with the seven things that you didn't know Google could do. Next on Commando On Demand Insider.
2: Our phones, smartwatches, and fitness trackers make it easy to know how many steps we're taking each day for our health. We've all heard that magical number per day is 10,000 steps. Now, researchers say that number's wrong. In 1965, a Japanese pedometer maker called their newest product Manpo-Ki, which means 10,000 steps meter. And tech companies have used this to tell us to reach a daily goal of walking about five miles. But lace up your shoes again. The University of Warwick study has found that's not enough. We really should be getting at least 15,000 steps per day in order to have healthy BMIs, smaller waists, lower cholesterol and blood pressure, and better blood sugar control. And try to get at least 100 steps per minute
4: worried about your privacy and your amazon echo in kim's new ebook how to use your amazon echo tips and tricks you'll learn how the pros use alexa and still maintain privacy get advice you can trust search kim commando and your kindle to get your copy now
1: Spin your passion into a business of shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout let's hear that one more time
0: It's Commando On Demand, Insider Edition. And of course, Google is way more powerful than most people realize. Regular searches are helpful, but they don't even scratch the surface of Google's abilities. We hear it from Kim all the time. Knowledge is power. And, well, Google certainly shares a lot of knowledge and some that's not so knowledgeable. But at any rate, your basic search inquiries may not be enough. Or you may need a tip here and there to Get the best results from google fair warning you can't mention google without also mentioning that they are tracking you Tracking where you go, what you're searching for, where you are, where you're going, everything about you. Fortunately, there are a slew of sites and services that compete with Google and don't track you. But for today, we're going to give you, because most people do use Google search, we're going to give you some ideas on how you can get the most out of Google. Starting with more options on your Google search results page. With rare exception, Google will turn up thousands of links and that's great in theory, but most relevant information shows up on the first couple of pages. So what happens if you don't get what you're looking for in the first couple of seconds? Well, you're going to get annoyed and you're going to wonder what the issue is. was bad search or is Google broken or what's going on? One way to mitigate this feeling is to expand the number of results on the first page so you don't have to click through as many individual pages to find what you're looking for. Simply go to settings underneath the right side of the search bar on your results page and you're taken to a page where you can adjust the number of results that you see. Move the slider in the direction you want, but note that the more results that you do select that you want to see, the slower that Google is going to appear to run. All right, second on our list is search verbatim for more refined results. Sometimes Google doesn't exactly get it when it comes to your search terms. A search engine tends to rely on context, after all. And if you want a more literal search result, all you need to do is activate verbatim searches. This makes it so that all search results must have your search terms included exactly as they appear. Now, to activate verbatim, there's a hard way and an easy way. First is you can go into tools on your results page and then hover over all results and then click the verbatim option. Alternatively, you can just type in your search terms in quotation marks for the exact same effects. And that's the easy way. All right, number three on our list is remove old searches from your search history. And Kim has talked about this many times before. So if you want the step-by-step instructions, just go to commando.com In the upper right-hand side, in the search engine, just do remove my Google search history, and the article will pop up for you with step-by-step instructions. Very simple. All right, number four on our list is when you search for books, news, and movies. Most people know how to find images and videos using the tabs at the top of the Google search, but Google knows how much the Internet loves different kinds of media, So they curated specific topics to bring you more relevant results about what you're looking for. Take books and news, for example. Right under the search bar, if you don't already see books, you can click the menu item that says More to search among books and news articles specifically, much like you would with an image search. Now, this prevents you from seeing results that aren't related to what you're looking for. As for movies, Google handles its searches without any extra work on your part. You simply type in the name of a movie and you'll be greeted with the cast information, links to Wikipedia, and even showtimes and tickets if it's a movie that's still in theaters in your area. If you want to plot directions right from your Google search bar, then I'm sure you're familiar with Google Maps. But did you know you can get directions without even needing to open Maps itself? All you need to do is type in directions to your destination, wherever you're going, from, the location, wherever you are, and then the search engine results will take care of the rest. You can switch between car, public transportation, and walking directions if you choose. So that's a pretty nifty little tip there. Number six on our list is instantly translate in your search bar. Google is fluent in multiple languages and... Its abilities improve every day. You can quickly convert text from one language to another and with astonishing accuracy. By adding one word to your search, type translate phrase into language of choice and voila, there it is. It's extremely handy in case you come across an unfamiliar bit of language on social media or want to send a greeting to a friend in a foreign language. Number seven on our list Search within specific websites. This is one of the handiest features that Google offers. Sometimes you want to just find something specific on a certain website, but let's say it doesn't have a search feature of its own. Wouldn't it be convenient if every website had its own Google search bar? Well, nearly every website that isn't on the dark web can be searched via site-specific searches. Even here at Commander.com, You just want to do a Commander.com and then search for whatever you're looking for. And then you'll only get the Commander.com's results to the beginning of the search. And you'll quickly narrow down the results from the World Wide Web into exactly what you're looking for. All right. In just moments, what would you do if you were out with your family and they were swimming around and you had your drone and were fooling around with the drone? And then all of a sudden, a little dramatic music here, please. All of a sudden you see a shark in the water getting ready to attack your family. It happened and the video actually went viral. We're going to talk with Dan Watson, who it happened to in just a few moments on Commando on Demand. Young children between the ages three and five are growing up glued to phones and tablets. New research proves
2: this screen time is actually changing the way a young brain develops in a very detrimental way. Before you toss a phone or tablet to your child to keep him occupied, know you're hurting him for life. A new study published yesterday in JAMA Pediatrics is alarming. Our brains develop most rapidly our first five years, and these results last our lifetimes. Researchers scanned the brains of kids three to five years old and found those who use screens more than the recommended an hour a day without parental involvement had significant lower levels of development in the brain's white matter. This important area of the brain handles cognitive and language skills. The bottom line, kids need nurturing, not electronic babysitters.
4: Want tech DIY videos from people you trust? Go on over to the Kim Commando YouTube channel and you'll see why Kim's America's top digital expert. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a video. Just go to youtube.com slash Kim Commando show.
0: Hey, the Commando On Demand trivia question is just a few moments away, and the Shark video that went viral, it's not Sharknado, this is a true story. Here's Kim.
2: You know, nowadays when you go to the beach, you probably bring a little bit of technology with you, right? Your smartphone to take a lot of pictures of the kids, then of course you maybe have that coolest cooler so that's where you can charge your phone, maybe even a wireless waterproof Bluetooth speaker, Well, Dan Watson actually brought one more piece of gear. I'm talking about a drone. That's right. Because he wanted to take some dronies. Those are like selfies, but you take them with a drone of the kids. Thanks for joining us here on the show. You saw something pretty interesting when you looked at the pictures of the drone, right?
4: Yes. uh, It was only about 30 seconds into actually flying over my kids just to take a quick picture at a family beach outline. And uh, I began to see a shadow of a shark moving right in.
2: Oh, God, that must have petrified you.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And what'd you do? So at that point, I began to scream at my wife to get the kids out of the water. And she was a little bit closer to the water, so she was able to get them out real quick. But I was able to capture uh, one image, right, as that was happening. And then as soon as they started running out of the water again, I was able to grab one other shot. And both of them kind of showed the shark coming in. And then the second one, you can see them running out of the water very quickly. And uh, the uh, actual shark begins to turn around and move away from them.
2: Now, were they able to tell you what kind of shark it was, Dan?
4: They have not been able to. We have a bunch of different species that live in the area. I guess they migrate up the coast of Florida from there. So...
2: So can you speculate how far the shark was from your family?
4: Yeah, it um, at the time of the first picture was about 20, 30 feet, and then it got a little bit closer and then it turned away as they were coming in. So at the closest, probably about 15 feet.
2: You know, what's interesting in in Southern California, there's those beaches. They actually use drones for shark sightings as well. So now (laughs) you're not new to cameras from what I understand.
4: I am not. Uh, I have a YouTube channel and I do all kinds of camera reviews. So I'm, I've pretty much used about every new camera in existence.
2: And so what do you think is the best drone out there right now?
4: So right now, DJI is pretty much the only one making uh, really solid drones right now for whatever reason. And the uh, Mavic Air is kind of that sweet spot for someone who's getting into drones, but still wants some really good videography or photography from it.
2: And what kind of battery life, if you don't mind me asking, are you seeing on that Maverick?
4: Yeah, so uh, essentially you can get just over 20 minutes. The problem with a drone is that you don't want to fly it until the battery completely runs out. So always (laughs) expect a little bit below that because at 20 minutes or 20% left, you're going to want to start to land it or at least make it really close to you so that you don't fall from the sky when it it gets to zero. (laughs)
2: That's That's never a good thing. So yeah. how long did it take you to become proficient at flying the drone? Because I know a lot of folks you know, that are watching and that are listening right now, they think you know, maybe flying a drone is easy. And I can tell you from me firsthand experience, it's not that easy.
4: It's not. It it takes a little bit of time, especially if you're trying to get good quality video from it, getting smooth movements and stuff can take some time. But the good thing that I love about a drone is if you let go of the controls, it stays right where it is. So that was actually something that helped me out is while I was able to run and scream at the beach, I didn't have to worry about the drone. It was just staying right there, even though I didn't have the controls in my hand. So if you're very cautious about what you're doing and you ever don't know where it is or where it's going, you just let go. Take your time, try and get your bearings straight, and then try and control it from there.
2: And there's also that one handy other button, the home button. Yes. So can you explain (laughs) to everybody how that works?
4: Yes. So the great thing about a drone too is assuming you do everything right in the setup process, it knows exactly where it is and where you took it off from. So at any point, if you get lost or it doesn't know where it is, it will return to that home location. Even if it it starts running out of battery, it will try and make it back to that location before it runs out of battery.
2: Which is very, very awesome. Now on your YouTube channel, if you have a few minutes, I'd like to ask you a few questions about that because we always have folks that they think that they can go make a million dollars a year on their youtube channel how realistic is that you as you know somebody who's doing this all the time
4: so if you're looking to do it just from youtube views it can be very difficult um i mean we do hundreds of thousands a month and it's not something that you could have a job off of however anytime you have an audience, whether it's on Instagram or YouTube, there's ways of using that audience to make money in different ways, whether it's through affiliate marketing, whether it's through sponsorships, whether it's anything selling your own products. So using a a smaller or even a medium-sized YouTube channel to make money is very possible as long as you're not doing it just from ad sales off of YouTube AdSense, which is what they do for their marketing.
2: Because that's very, as you mentioned, it's very, very difficult to make a buck doing that. I mean, you need a it lot, is. a lot of pictures. So you own a photography business with your wife, correct?
4: That is correct.
2: And so you're using the channel to kind of fundle business to that?
4: Uh, right now, they kind of operate very separately. It was kind of our photography that kind of led us into doing it. So if we had the new cameras, if we were teaching people how to use them, why not use YouTube as a platform to do that? And it started growing from there.
2: Uh, what do you think of the mirrorless cameras?
4: So I have a ton of them, and it's something that I use all the time right now. In theory, uh, mirrorless is the future. There's there's almost no reason to stick with something like a DSLR now, and the, the reason for that is because all you're doing is getting rid of a mirror, and for the most part, that is a not a necessary component before. There used to be some restrictions on autofocus technology and things like that that were making it... If if you got a mirrorless camera, sometimes it didn't focus it well. It wasn't as fast. But for now, I'd say mirrorless is the future. And uh, most camera manufacturers are now going into that direction. Even Canon, Nikon, Sony, all of them have mirrorless cameras that are doing really well.
2: Yeah, I actually have a Fuji that I love. That's why I was curious. Yes, Um, yes. And finally, I want to ask you one question because everybody always asks me this question. If you have a smartphone, say an iPhone, it's got a great camera on board. Why do you need to carry a separate camera?
4: The, the reasons have gotten a lot less. Your smartphones are doing much better. And the reason they're able to do better is because they're actually most of them are taking multiple pictures and the computers in those are so powerful. They can take those multiple images and make one amazing image. So from a standpoint of just shooting something, just bringing out your phone, clicking in auto and having a picture, they, they do a great job. Where they kind of fall apart is if you want to start editing them, you want to start printing, you want to zoom, you start getting into low light. These are some areas where uh, mirrorless cameras or larger sensor cameras are are still an advantage for you.
2: Well, I guess I have one more question, if you don't mind. The question is, is that do you think you'll ever go to the beach again with your family without your drone? (laughs)
4: It will be tough. And if we do, we'll definitely be sticking in shallow water, building sandcastles, something like that.
2: I hear you. Hey, thanks for joining us, Dan. And we're going to put a link over to your YouTube channel so folks can learn more about you and see your camera reviews. And thanks for your time today.
4: Absolutely. Thank you so much.
2: And and you see, ladies and gentlemen, it's just the power of technology. And if you have a story that you'd like to share with us or maybe something that you saw in the news, hey, let me know about it. Go to commando.com. And at the bottom of every page, there's a link that says contact us.
0: Hey, did you take a guess on our Commando on Demand Insider trivia question? We're smack dab in the middle of a computer revolution and a technology revolution. While the concept of the modern computer is a recent innovation, a machine that could perform calculations is older than you might think. Where do you think the first computer was discovered? And for double points, what year do you think it was built? Was it in Greece in 150 B.C.? B is Rome, 300 AD. C is Mexico, 800 AD. And D is London, 1500 AD. Well, shockingly, the correct answer is A, developed in Greece in 150 BC. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to pronounce this correctly. Antikythera, Antikythera we'll say, a mechanism was a device that was built between 150 and 70 BC and It was used to track the movements of the stars, the sun, and the moon. Even though those ancient people were sophisticated enough to build these devices, it seems that the knowledge was lost for another 2,000 years. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Commando on Demand, Insider Edition. We appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll get these downloaded to your device every single week automatically. We've got another Commando on Demand that comes out earlier in the week as well. And here now is Kim with some final thoughts.
2: It seems weird to think that before Facebook, all these crazy thoughts just stayed in people's heads. You know what I'm talking about. Anger and sometimes vile over anything and everything political. Dirty, ugly family confessions, and I love this, arguments that turn into nothing other than public shaming. There's never a bad day, only the perfect meal and sunset, child, dog, house, and spouse. Oh, and let's not forget conspiracy theories and fake news on it. Facebook has 2.3 billion monthly active users. At last count, the average person spends a little under an hour every single day on Facebook. And let me tell you, that's an hour too long. One of the most liberating things I have done in the last year is not checking my Facebook account. It's freedom from what easily turns into a huge time suck. The way Facebook is programmed is designed specifically to feed an addiction. So the more you check Facebook and the more time you're on it, The more you're giving into big tech data tracking and marketing. Think of all the years cigarettes were sold without any warning labels. Someday we may have warning labels on tech. And until then, be strong and hey, put the screen down and get a little fresh air. You may just come out of the house and find yourself squinting at the sun.